Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Want to welcome everyone listening to us online. Thank you for downloading this podcast today. Matthew 16 and verse 13. Very famous piece of the Bible indeed. Great favorite piece for preachers. And maybe something that will help us as we look at it today. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. Verse 15, But but what about you? Jesus asked him, Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by man. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you. But my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the gates of Hades, will not overcome it. Let's pray. Lord, As we come to your word, may there now be revelation, power, the moving of the Holy Spirit. Lord, take this message and breathe on it, Lord. Breathe on it. May this word bring life and transformation by the power of God. Fill me with your spirit. And speak to us all. Transform us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. On this rock. I will build. My. Church. One of the tensions. That. Leaders. Sometimes have. Is who's supposed to be building the church. Is it supposed to be the leaders or is it supposed to be God? Now, of course, what we'd all like to say is, well, it's God builds the church. But I found that God doesn't do the risk assessments or the, you know, has to pay the, the electric bill or, or uh, sort out where we're all going to park, you know. So it's this funny tension, isn't it, between are we supposed to build the church or is God supposed to build it? Let me forget leaders now. What about the body of Christ? What about 
Are we supposed to get people saved or is God supposed to do that? Are we supposed to teach people the ways of the kingdom of God or does God do that? And the answer, of course, is, is absolutely that it is both. It is God building the church, but he builds it through you and me, yes? Can you say amen? So unless the Lord is building the house, the, they labor in vain who build it. But it's interesting that even in that verse, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain, suggests that the Lord is building the house through laborers. Yes, through laborers. He is the Lord of the harvest, but he still raises up laborers into his harvest field. It was Phil who asked me just a few weeks ago, what's the best advice I could give him? The best advice I could give him is this. Jesus said, I will build my church. But let me tell you this, I'm also having quite a lot of coffee with Phil and telling him all the things he's going to have to do as well. You know, it's all part of this, this, this partnership between God uh, and us. Here's a great little piece that sort of reflects this, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9 to 11. Paul writing here, we are co-workers in God's service. By the grace God has given me, Paul speaking, I, that's Paul, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Paul's saying, I'm in the building trade. I'm in the church building trade, says the Apostle Paul. Now, he would have been the first to tell you that God's the one doing the work. But he also recognized that he did the work. I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. Here, he's talking about how he planted the church and now Apollos has taken over. Kind of like what's happening here in a way. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Paul, I don't want to take too much time with this, but Paul saw himself as a builder of the church. So here's the question. Do you see that? Do you see yourself like that too? Because we are supposed to be apostolic people. We're supposed to be in, the, in this ministry. We're supposed to be called to the service of God, laboring in the Lord for the work of the Lord. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, which I'll preach on in a few weeks' time. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Now that wasn't Paul writing from one apostle to another. That was Paul writing just to the whole church. Always give yourself, always, I better not preach this message today, let me preach it another week. But you know, always Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. So God's calling us all to be involved in, in working with him. In building the church. Uh, let me just throw this out. The church is the only thing God is building. He's not building anything else. Right? He's not building CB1. Nice though it looks. He's not building a new football ground in Trumpington. And the local residents hope he's not as well. That's not what he's doing. He's not. The only thing God is building is the church. He's not building anyone's career. Can you say amen? amen. He's not building your career. He's not, he's not working to build your bank balance. He's not working to build, you know, your DVD collection. He's not, that's not what God's building. He's not building anything. The only thing that God is building is the church. 
And so if we want to get involved with the presence of God, then we have to be involved in building the church because that's where he is. If you want to get connected with a builder, you have to go and see where's he building. I want to go down and meet him. You want another builder? You have to go where he is. God takes no time off. He's there working, building the church. If you want to know God, you have to build the church as well. You have to be co-laborers or co-workers in God's service. And this is what I'm going to talk about today a little bit. And I want in these last few weeks of us being physical, I just want to have a new sense of recommissioning everyone for the work of the Lord. And it is work, by the way. It's so funny when people say, well, when I signed up for this, I didn't realize it would be hard work. What, you didn't think the work of the Lord would involve work? No. Well, read it again. (laughs) Always give yourselves to the work of the Lord. Really? The work of the Lord? Yes, the work of the Lord. It means we have to work at it. We have to do something. It takes time and energy and effort and stress and takes, takes our leisure time away and sends us to bed late. Gets us up early sometimes too. The work of the Lord. It's work. I want to talk about, I want to talk about this thing. I will build my church, uh, on this rock. Jesus reveals that the church is built upon a rock or from a kind of rock. Let me just bring you into my uh, study for a moment. When I read this, let me just bring you around, sitting with me, having a coffee, decaf, only one sugar, reading this, on this rock, I will build my church. And I asked myself, and I still do, what is the rock to which Jesus refers? What's the rock? I will build my, on this rock, I will build my church. And I want to ask the question today and give you one or two suggestions, but I think it's going to help us with our lives. What is the rock? That Jesus refers to. Now, just in case you want to leave early, I'll tell you what they are now. Here are the three options that I think Jesus could mean. Either he means the power of revelation. Either he means the lordship of Jesus Christ. Or he might mean the yielded and available servant, i.e. the person is the rock. Peter in this particular instance. So let's take a moment to, to look at these. The first suggestion, on this rock, I will build my church. The first suggestion I bring is that maybe the rock is the fact that Peter has just had something revealed to him. Jesus says, Who are people saying I am? What's the word on the street about me? And they come up with all sorts of suggestions, rather strange ones, actually. People say you're John the Baptist. Do they? That's a strange suggestion. People say you're Jeremiah. So, But what about you? 
And Peter says this, you know, I know who you are. This is the Peter Cavana version of the story now. I know who you are. You are the Lord. You are the Christ. You are the Son of God. That's who you are. And Peter has received secret information, if you like, from God. Jesus says to him, again, the Peter Cavana version, there's no way in the world that you could have worked that out by yourself. Jesus gets a bit excited, I think, here. This has not been revealed by man. This has been revealed by God. You are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah. Because you have been in receipt of information given to you by God himself. I believe that God still does this today all the time. Reveals things. He's a revealer of mysteries, the book of Daniel says. He wants to reveal things. Now, let's just be clear. I'm not talking about spooky things. I'm not talking about weird things. Oh, the Lord has just revealed to me that a badger died at the end of my bed. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the Lord's just revealed to me that I'm going to be the next president of the United States. I'm not talking about those sort of revealings, which are less dream and more fantasy. I'm talking about God reveals things about himself to us that cannot really be understood unless God reveals them to our hearts. It's my conviction that disciples are made, matured, and mobilized by the supernatural truth revealed by the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example of this. If you are a Christian today, you are a Christian because God revealed to you that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. Now, you might have read that on a billboard. You might have been brought up in your family to believe that. You might have seen that on a tract. But ultimately, if you are sitting here today, believing in your heart that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, that was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. That was revealed to you by your Father. Because there are certain things that you can only know in your Noah if God allows that download to take place. In John 6 verse 44, Jesus talking about people coming to him and he said, No one can come to me unless what? The Father draws them. So Jesus understood in his own ministry, as people were coming to him, it was because the Father was sending them his way. It wasn't his charismatic personality. It wasn't his fine preaching. In fact, the Bible said in Isaiah 50, there's nothing about him that would attract us to him. But the Holy Spirit reveals. You became a Christian because the Holy Spirit revealed it. And you may have many a people in your life who you think, why haven't they become a Christian? I've been sharing and sharing. Let me just comfort you. They have not become a Christian yet because God hasn't revealed himself to them yet. But you keep praying and they will. They will. They will. 
So we become born again because God reveals that to us. But in Ephesians 1.17, Paul praying for the church now, people who aren't Christians, people who have been baptized in water, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, you know. And he writes to them and he says this, I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I, he says, I pray that you will learn more and more about God. Not through a Bible study, although Paul believed in teaching the Bible. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say amen? amen? Paul preached so long that one man died. You know that. <laughs> Acts chapter 20, he fell out a window. Paul preached so long, the man died. You think I'm long? You think I'm a long preacher? Are you still alive? Then I'm not so long. Yep. <laughs> no. So Paul believed in teaching the word. But he also understood there are certain things you can't know with your head. You have to know them with your heart. And I think there are copious amounts, forgive me now, speculating and giving my opinion, but here it is. I believe there are copious amounts of believers who believe things in their head, but they don't believe them in their heart. And how do we know that? And how do I know what I believe? How do you know what you believe? You know it when trouble comes to your door. And when trouble comes to your door, now you find out what you believe. Right? I love what Colin Dye once said. He said, people talk about what they believe. People talk about what they believe. He said, but listen, he said, much better. Ask people what they do. And then you can tell them what they really believe. What you do is what you believe. Not what you believe, but what you do. That's what you believe. How you live, that's what you believe. If you believe in the fear of God, then you live a clean life. If you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then, you, then you're going to want to share your faith. If you believe that you need the empowerment of God, then you're going to pray. You see, it's all going to be about things that you do. But God wants to reveal things. He wants to reveal things. 1 Corinthians 2, that whole chapter, but here 11, verse 6, 11 through 16. Really just Paul talking about how the Spirit reveals things. Some things you cannot know naturally. doesn't matter the brilliance of the speaker the amazing oratory of the preacher, the teacher. The amazing work gone into that book that you're reading. Fabulous though it is, I'm not taking anything away from it. But some things have to be learnt by revelation. I remember sitting in a meeting. I want to give you an example of this. I was in Leicester in 1991. It was the 26th of November. You say, well how do you remember the date? Because it was amazing, that's why. Sitting in a meeting in Leicester in 1991, the preacher, a German speaker, took the stage, began to preach that Jesus was the Son of God. Now, I was at Bible college at the time. How many know that probably, if you're at Bible college, you sort of already know that Jesus is the Son of God. If you're at Sunday school, you know that Jesus is the Son of God. But he thundered this in this room. Jesus is the Son of God. And it got right into me. I had a revelation. 
How do you know you had a revelation? Because I believe it today. And secondly, because epilepsy that had been in my body for 12 years left me that night. Come on. Really, I'm, t- I'm telling you the truth. There's, there's power in the Holy Spirit. And I just stood, I thought, Jesus is the Son of God. And that was it, I was cured. Now, there's lots of ways to get cured of things. I, but I'm just telling you, that's why I remember the date. I remember where it was. There are certain things that God has to reveal. Let me give you some example. I need to move on, but let me give you some example. I think there are Christians all over the place. If you ask them, does Jesus love you? Yes, Jesus loves me. Do you believe it? No. No. Don't really believe that. Be a revelation. You're precious to God. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about revelations. I'm not, I'm not talking about weird stuff. Oh, I've had a revelation that this is the way to get cured or healed or this is the way to get blessed. No, no. I'm, I'm talking about God revealing things about himself. And he does it in the history of Israel all the time. He leads them all around the place. Across the desert so he can reveal things about himself to them. Jesus does it in the New Testament too. He opens the eyes of the blind man and then turns to the crowd and says, I am the light of the world. He raises Lazarus from the dead. And then says this, what? I am the what? The resurrection and the life. See? He reveals things about himself. I want to say something that I hope you'll understand. But I believe that you are where you are in Christ today. To some degree. In proportion to the revelations you've received about God. And that's why I think this whole thing of revelation is so important. And that's why you've got to get in the word of God. As we get in the word of God, then things can be revealed. And I know God can reveal things to you walking down the street. I know God can speak to you while you're asleep. I appreciate that. But we can't do Christianity without the Bible. The spirit brings life to the word. Reveals things about God. Psalm 25 verse 4 is a great prayer. We, we want to pray it at the end of today's service. Lord, show me your ways. You'd have thought someone writing a psalm would have known God's ways. But no, the psalmist knows that there's a whole lot of things he doesn't know about God. What could God, what does God need to reveal to you? Sometimes God needs to reveal things about ourselves to us. He needs to reveal that we're sinners. Shall I just go for it? Shall I just say what I think? I think there's a whole lot of Christians who haven't had that revelation and that's why anything goes wrong in church, they're gone. They don't think they're sinners. They haven't had that revelation. I tell you, you need a revelation that you are drowning and then you will reach up for the guy saving you. But if you don't believe you're really drowning, you don't need a savior, do you? You see, we need a revelation. Too many people coming to Christ without knowing that they have a fatal disease of sin that only Dr. Jesus can cure. Come on. 
It's not about being blessed, being happier. Of course God blesses. Of course it's being a Christian makes you happy. But I found being a Christian has got me into a lot of trouble as well. And they didn't tell me that in 1988. I had to work that one out later. Revelation. Jesus says, Peter, you just had a revelation. This has been revealed to you by the Father. It's amazing. I wonder what it is that God needs to reveal to you. Some people need to have it revealed to them they're sinners. Other people need to have it revealed to them that they're forgiven. And these are things that God does. One lady came to me. I've told this story so many times, but you know, you won't hear it forever, will you? So she came and sat with me. She said, I need you to pray for me. I'm going to die. I said, yes, you are. Eventually you will. No, I'm going to die soon. The devil, he's going to kill me. I said, he's not going to kill you. Oh, she said, I receive that. I said, well, you don't need to receive it. He's just not going to kill you. I receive that. I said, yeah, all right, good, but you don't have to receive it. He's just not going to kill you. She said, I want you to pray for me that the devil doesn't kill me. I said, I will not. I won't pray for you that the devil doesn't kill you. But let me take an hour with you to teach you what the word of God says. We believe in the power of prayer in this church. But let me tell you something else we believe in here. We believe in teaching people free. If you teach people free, guess what? They're free forever. You pray them free, they're back in a fortnight. Yes, can you say amen? Let's teach people free. Teach them free. And then they're free. When Paul discovered that the people in Galatia turned back to religion away from Christ, he did not go and pray for them. He wrote them a letter to teach them that they were free. In many people's lives, it's not that we need to come along with a bit of great load of metal clampers and clamp off their chains. We just need to sit down with them and say, guess what? You don't have any. You're free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall what? Set you free. free. Yeah. So let's teach people free. Not pray them free. Teach them free. Teach them free. Now don't look at me like that. Of course I prayed for the lady at the end. But I just prayed that she'd believe everything I taught her. The devil wasn't in the room. Hmm. I believe that disciples are made, matured, and mobilized by things that are revealed by the Holy Spirit. And if you're somewhere with God today, if you're on fire for God today, you've played your part, you've made your sacrifices, you've put your heart where it should be, and God has rewarded you with revelation. One young man came to me. Let me just quickly tell you this. He said, and he's not here now, so I can say this. He said, um, I'm having problems believing in the Trinity, he said to me. He said, I, I was raised to not believe in the Trinity. 
He said, but I've, I've read all the stuff and it's just not, you know, just not getting in me. I said, well, let me just pray for you. And I put my hand on his eyes. I said, put your hand over your eyes. I put my hand on his hand. I said, Lord, give him a revelation of this. The truth that you are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you know, to my amazement, I have to confess my lack of faith. To my amazement, within a few days, he was a totally sold out believer in the Trinity. Years of believing something else, undone by just one touch from the King. I wonder what it is God needs to reveal to you. I'm expecting in my life to have more revelations. Yes? And I'm talking about the nature of God. The character of God. The ways of God. Oh Lord. Show me your ways. Here we go. Another one. The Lordship of Jesus. On this rock. Jesus said, I will build my church. Remember, our question today is, what, what is this rock? Maybe the rock is the fact that a man can look into the face of God and say this, you are my master. You are my master. And it's almost like, and maybe you've never seen it this way before, so just stay with me a moment here. It's almost like Jesus does a trade with Peter, and they they trade with each other. Peter says, you are the master. You're the Lord. You're the Son of God. And Jesus, in that moment, is able to say to him, Because you have made me your master, I will make you a church builder. Just for those of you who like this kind of thing, you may or may not know that the word church appears first right here. It had not been spoken ever before. Jesus had spoken about his kingdom. He'd spoken about people coming together. There was a sense there was going to be a community. But the first time he mentions the word church is right here. And how is he able to tell them this big secret? The secret of God. Paul, of course, calls the church the mystery. And in the Bible, in the New Testament, when Paul uses the word mystery, he's not talking about who killed the vicar in in the, you know, wherever. He's talking about something that once was not known and now is known. So whenever you see the word mystery, it it means something that once was not known, but now God has made it known. That's what a mysterion is in Greek, a mystery. And the church is a mystery. It's something that hadn't been really spoken of before in the scriptures, but now suddenly the cat is out of the bag. And the cat comes out of the bag. There's a revelation that there's going to be a church, a glorious church. And how does this information come out of Jesus' lips when Peter says, you are the master, you are in charge. 
Listen, we can't build the church unless he's in charge. You can't build the church and I can't build the church and be part co-workers with God. Laying foundations, building on them, one planting, another watering, all the things that God's calling us to do. You can't do that if he's not your Lord. I'm not talking about whether you believe in him. I'm talking about whether he's your Lord. And let me talk about the ministry for a moment. Not affecting anyone here. But let me tell you this. There's plenty of people in the ministry preaching and doing stuff. And I've, I've met them, you know, off the pulpit. I'm not talking about in this room, by the way. But in other places, I've chatted with them off the pulpit. And I want to know, what on earth is this person doing leading the church? Because Jesus is not their Lord. How do you know that? Are you being judgmental? Now, I'm just listening to the way they're talking and the bad jokes they're telling and the way they're being unkind. I say that these scenarios need to come to an end. We need to release a whole lot of people into Cambridge, a whole lot of people into this city, a whole lot of people across the world who want to build the church and they want to build it according to the maker's pattern. We live clean. We live clean. We obey the word of God, not our own version of it that we've written in our head. We obey the scripture. We draw close to God. We pull away from sin. We submit ourselves, therefore, to God. We resist the devil. We do not assist the devil you got a drink problem I think I'll just go down the bar and assist the devil no, don't do that well I've got a pornography problem I think I'll just assist the devil by going on the internet no, resist the devil submit yourself to God and if you submit to God resist that, he'll flee from you if you assist the devil You just got a new lodger in your house. No. Peter said, you are the master. And Jesus said, because you've said that, I'm going to let you be part of the building of the church. Joshua 24, verse 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Another reason why you need to know that he's the master. It's not just to make you holy. It's to give you faith. Because if God is God, then anything is possible. Some of you didn't get that, so I'm going to say it again. If God is God, then anything is possible. We need to make big plans. If God be our partner, we should make big plans. If you were a businessman and you got an investor, a very wealthy investor, then you could make enormous business plans. Well, guess what? The great I am is our business investor. God is our co-worker. He's our co-worker. He's your co-worker. That means whatever you plan to do, you can make some big plans. 
Luke 1 verse 37, nothing is impossible with God. The new NIV puts it in a different way. Takes it back a little bit, perhaps more to the original. No word of God shall ever fail. I love it. Mark 16 verse 20, they went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them. When I um, sometimes do missionary work in South America, not been there for a while, I might show up in some large church or a sports area, sometimes smaller places. And I don't look very impressive, I know that. And I'll arrive and they think, you know, that I'm the driver and that the preacher somewhere else, perhaps gone to the bathroom or something. Are you the driver? No, I'm the speaker. You, you're the speaker. Oh dear. Right. And sometimes I arrive and I've maybe done a 10-hour trip to get there, sometimes longer, sometimes a day and a half. But quite often a 10-hour trip, and I'll arrive and I look a bit like, oh boy, can I, can I just go to bed? I'm exhausted. And I'll be on all sorts of medicines for uh, helping me eat foreign food and stuff like this. And I get up and stand and begin to minister there. And I tell you, I don't feel strong. I don't feel equipped. I don't feel like the man of power for the hour. I'm just a man who needs a power shower. That's a new joke I just thought of then. But let me tell you, and those of you who long to see God move in power, let me give you this ministry key. There's one thing I do believe. I believe that he is with me. It's the only thing I believe. I'm, I am throwing out something there so precious to me. I feel like you've just looked into my diary. When I stand then ill and disheveled and ill-equipped, There's only one thing that I have to believe. That he is standing there with me. And if he is standing there with me, then cancers can fall off bodies. And they do. If he is standing there with me, then people who are deaf, their ears can open. And they do. I once had a blind lady chase me around the platform. I don't often have ladies chasing me at all, let alone blind ladies. It's amazing. But why? Why? Because of some special gift? No, not any gift. Because he is standing there with me. If you want to serve God, you're going to serve God and with God. You're going to serve with God. This afternoon, Spanish team, we're serving with God. He's going to be standing right here on the platform here. In our, in our great youth, it's Jesus standing there. It's Jesus standing there. And if you're going to be a church builder, you're going to have to believe that. You're going to have to believe that he's the Lord. Hallelujah. Fine, I better finish, hadn't I? But very quickly, the third and final one. On this rock, I'll build my church. Maybe the rock is Peter himself. Now, very quickly, I don't mean in a sense of the Roman Catholic understanding that Peter was the first pope. 
and then he gave it to someone. I don't mean that. I mean that Peter himself, the person, was the one to whom Jesus referred on this rock, on people like you, Peter. I'm going to build my church. You may know that in the original, there's a bit of a play on words. The name Peter, uh, Petros in Greek, is, means a little stone. And Jesus says on this, on this your, your name is Petros, and on the Petra, I'll build, it's like a little play on words in the original. It's a bit like saying your name is Ray, and you are going to be a ray of light. You know, it's that kind of play on words. But one of the things, and let's finish with this. One of the things I'm sure that Jesus didn't mean was on strong people like you, I will build the church. Maybe, as I put here on the screen, maybe rock doesn't mean strong. But maybe it simply means something to work with. Something to work with. Because we know that Peter wasn't always strong. Yes? Is that right? Come on, preach with me. He wasn't always strong. Just a short time after this, in the same chapter, the same chapter of the Bible, he's discouraging Jesus from going to the cross. Uh, and Jesus has to say, get away from me, Satan. It's nice, isn't it? It's the same chapter as this. A few minutes later. So he wasn't always strong. And then a few uh, months, maybe a year later, what's he doing? I don't know the man. I've never met Jesus. I don't know who he is. He denies the Lord, doesn't he? So Peter wasn't always strong. Now let me just, I, I think the Holy Spirit may want to encourage us. It's not strong people who haven't made any mistakes that build the church. It's people that God can work with that build the church. He says to him, you're not a strong rock, but what you are is something for me to work with. And I believe with all my heart, I'm so encouraged here today. Many of the faces that we've known here for many years in this room, and some new ones, I tell you, you are something for God to work with. And you are going to get some things hopelessly wrong. But it's going to be okay. You are going to make some failures. But it's going to be okay. You're going to deny the Lord. And it's going to be okay. You're going to say the wrong thing. And it's going to be okay. Because you are something for God to work with. And I put here, the yielded and available servant. The failed Peter sits with Jesus at the beach in John 21. And Jesus says to him, do you love me? Yes, I do. Then go feed my sheep. He didn't disqualify him. He didn't throw him away. Well, that's it now. You're fired. That's quite good, isn't it? It's quite a good impression. You're fired. 
with regret, you're fired. Stop crying and get out. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. If I do it, I go, thanks for nothing, sugar babe. Jesus doesn't fire him for failure. Why not? Because he's something to work with. Something to work with. There's some great people around, you know, doing great things for God. Do you know what? It's not they haven't made any mistakes. They're just something to work with. There's something for God to work with. Are you something for God to work with? If you are, say yes. You're hired. Oh, thank you very much for the opportunity. (laughs) Thank you, Nick. If you're something to work with, you're hired. You're hired. But you've got to be yielded. And you've got to be available. If you're yielded and available, you're hired. God will use you. One time, again, this is Peter. It's all about Peter today. Jesus did a miracle in front of Peter. Peter said, oh, all that fish come in the boat. You remember? Luke chapter 5. What's the first thing Peter says? Get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Jesus says, no, 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 it's all right. If you follow me, you'll become a fisher of men. You're something to, I, I know you're a sinful man, but you're something to work with. Follow me. I know you're going to make some mistakes, but follow me. Now, don't misunderstand me. If we want God to flow through us, it's good to keep the vessel clean. Can you say amen? If I said, here's some beautiful water, but it came out of that tap. You're not wondering where did the water come from. You're wondering, where, what did it come through to get to me? And sometimes what we are spoils what God wants to do, yes? So we, we have to keep the vessel clean. But we're going to make some mistakes. In this room, there are people who are going to go all over the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some are going to go all over the city for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some are going to teach people free. This is the rock that God builds with. He builds with our revelation. He builds with the fact that he is the Lord. That means we have to do what he says, but he can do anything. He's a good partner to have. And number three, he builds with yielded and available servants. Second Timothy 2 says that we should cleanse ourselves of ignoble things and then we'll be useful to the master. I finish with this. A final comment from our friend Peter, who many years later found himself feeding the lambs, building the church, as a stone in God's temple. And this is what he wrote. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, that's going to be our testimony too. You're going to be rejected by humans, but chosen by God. Don't get too choosy about humans, because you might get yourself rejected by God. Much better to be rejected by humans chosen by God, precious to him. You also, Peter writing to the church, he says, you're like living stones 
being built into a spiritual house. I wonder if when he wrote that, he was remembering his day at Caesarea Philippi. Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will build it with yielded people. People who believe that I am the Lord. And people who've had a revelation from the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly how he builds it today. Amen. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.